It's Cofield and Company on the road. Right now, you got to do that sometimes. Yeah. Got to hustle. As I just waste 10 more seconds. No. No, <laughs> there should be requirements to buy these things. Pay attention, young man, okay? There's a method to the madness. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. Once again, all over the country is uh, Adam Hill is hanging out at our uh, great new watch party site. That's Tom's Urban at New York, New York Hotel and Casino. Steve Cofield here in Fresno before UNLV Fresno State game. Back in in about 10 minutes with ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins will be up. Adam, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's an awesome spot. Obviously, down here, Tom's on the strip right next to New York, New York. A walk, a little short walk over to the arena uh, at T-Mobile. And how could you not be in a great mood when you're down here, Steve? There you go. There you go. All right, we got uh, Justin coming up. We have some crazy legal stories to get into. This uh, cowboy thing that we didn't hear about until today. Some voyeur secret deal they made for uh, to pay off the victims. We'll get to that. We actually... Just happened to have a former cheerleader of the Rams, Lisa Guerrero, is going to join us uh, later in the show, but let's do it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. We start out with Adam Hill's favorite topic, whining about travel. You're not going to go full Peter King here, right? No, I don't, and I don't think I do whine about travel. I just I like to point out <laughs> things that happen. I mean, it was... There was a lot of people on that plane that were coming into Las Vegas, so I don't think it was just – it's just a media thing. Uh, the flight home from L.A., we were – I, I want to I want to say we were feet from the ground. We were probably a couple hundred feet from the ground. We were down, like, below, uh, you know, where, where the town square is over there. That was our approach. Uh, so we were down, like, almost even with the tops of the buildings, uh, like Fry's and, you know, the, the closed-down building over there. And all of a sudden, we just zipped up in the air again and just got over no. the strip. And everybody's looking around, like, "What, what, what, what just happened? <laughs> like, what, what, what is, what is this?" And obviously, like, I think you want an update from the from the pilot, like, as soon as possible on something like that. Uh, I think he was worried about actually doing his job, and people are like, "What's going on?" Just screaming. And oh finally, when we got back way up above, we're way up above the strip. Uh, he just gets on. He goes. Uh, sorry about that, folks. You may have noticed uh, we were about to land and then uh, did not. And he just said there was a plane on the runway, and we didn't want to hit it, so we took back off. Oh man! That I mean, I th- that was, and I was just like, hey, maybe they just didn't like the approach. He was just like, ah, we'll take another one. Once he said that, I was like, okay, that's not good. That was a that was a pretty scary moment. Right. Uh, but I haven't. I've been on a lot of flights, and I, we've had you know issues with landings and stuff before. And you just kind of circle back. That was as close as we ever to the ground, and taken back off. And uh, I don't know. I, it was it was just one of those things where you kind of look around and say, "Man, that was that was weird." Uh, but all's good. We're here. We landed, and everybody's happy. Did you shake his hand on the way I do out? Like that, and, you know what? And... No. Uh, but when, when you're on a certain airline, uh, I, I don't want to say what it was because I just said it was a scary landing. It wasn't their fault. Um, you have like the uh, you've got you're watching TV on the on their live app, and it tells you how long you have until you land. And at one point it said one minute, and then all of a sudden it said like seventeen minutes. You're like, wait, what? 
What, what just happened? So before you left L.A., how much of the festivities were you around post-Super Bowl? Quite a bit. I mean, I, I think people that listen to the show know that if there's anything live happening, if there's any newsworthy things happening, I'm going to kind of be there. Uh, so when we got back to the hotel, kind of word went around like, hey, don't leave the hotel because it's kind of crazy on the streets. So you know what that meant to me. Grab my stuff, drop it in the room, and get out on the streets. Uh, I wanted to see some of the some of the celebrations, some of the wildness, and it was there. But man, were they ready! Like LAPD was ready for Sunday night because there was so many officers out there. Um, I I kind of went around and, and I was just kind of observing some things that were going on uh, out on the streets, and people. For the most part, people were, you know, pretty lively and celebrating. Other people seemed like they wanted some chaos and were upset that the cops were kind of, you know, showing themselves and saying, hey, you guys can have fun, but none of this craziness. Um, so there was some tension for sure. Uh, but at one point, everybody just kind of got everybody kind of got corralled into one street. And I was looking around like, yeah, this isn't good. Um it was it was a it was a weird a very weird night because it was like controlled chaos that was going on out there, and I I think it was probably for the best of how it was handled. Uh, I know the police did a very good job of making sure nothing got crazy, um, but I also don't know if people would have got crazy. I'm sure they would have uh, crazier if you know they didn't have that kind of tension around. It was it's just, it's a, such a tough dynamic to control when you have celebrations, and I you know I pointed out yeah. because obviously. Um, you know, Vegas is different, but at some point we're hoping that we have some celebrations here. Uh, I know that, you know, Metro was down there, um, you know, kind of observing and trying to check out how things go. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't think there's like a right answer of how you handle those things. Like you want people to have fun and celebrate and, and be festive, but you obviously can't have cars being burned and buses being burned. And I'll say there was, you know, images on TV of buses being burned. I know where I was, people were trying to kind of surround buses and then other citizens were coming out and, like, clearing the way for them to get through so they wouldn't be trapped on intersections. Like, there was a lot of good things going on and a lot of things that could have gotten a lot worse. But I, I do know it's something to keep in mind. Like, people don't think about it. Like, hey, it's cool to have sports. But there is a lot of times when you have sports and you have championships and things kind of go the wrong way. Yeah, based on uh, LAPD and the sheriff's department, uh, based on videos I've seen of them dealing with crowd control, I would – Probably not go or be very careful before I got out of line. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think it was, you know, I, I think the, you know, the preparation has to be applauded. This, I mean, they were there, like they were ready to go, um, and I know the, the area that I was that I was trying to observe. You know, some of the, some of the, you know, post game celebrations. Uh, I would say there was more officers than people. Well, that's good. That's good. As long as there weren't too many yeah, incidents. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I am in lovely Fresno, just as nice part of California as L.A. Um, actually, the city's growing on me. I know you like to uh, make the meth jokes about Reno and Albuquerque and Fresno. Uh, it's 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 been a fun trip. Comment. I actually saw something kind of scary this morning. I was at a chain breakfast joint and uh, had a serving robot. I don't know if you saw the quick video I put up on Twitter, but um, okay. I was a little little bit scared. I'll be honest. Did I mean? Did you, how did your food come out? 
Oh, the food is beautiful. I actually did not get served by the robot. I think they were doing a test, and the uh, the test began oh. about 15 minutes after I got there. So I just took video of the robot going around. There was a gentleman to my left who uh, insisted on coming up with a joke and then telling everyone within earshot of the joke because he, he sure. wanted to call. He wanted to call the robot Mr. Hop because we were at IHOP, well, and every server is like, okay. Eh, okay, and did like the fake laugh, and so it was a big morning for him. It's, and uh, it, like and you, the robot. usually, if you're gonna try a joke that many times, like it's a it's a doozy, right? That gets a good reaction. Like if you get nothing, nice. just shut it down, bro. Oh, like, no, but I, you'd I also think, think it's it's got to have a funny name, right? Like some of their some of their food has funny names. You have to think the robot has a pretty funny name. I think eventually it will. Just not yet. Why is Fresno the test market? I, I don't know. Maybe this maybe this is going on all around the country. Maybe I've missed it in Vegas. I don't know. I might have to have a, uh, a you know the local pancake place, and maybe they've already got it there. Maybe we got it like six months ago. I don't know. I don't. I generally don't hit that place because we have a lot of good breakfast spots. Fresno seems more like the place you would try out like a new flavor of Mountain Dew. <laughs> okay, whatever that means. I feel like it's one of the markets if we look it up that has been super popular for uh, like KFC that double down. You know, if you if you sure. scold and burn the hell out of uh, Fresno people's hands, they're like, eh, well, it's Fresno. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> right? They've already got needles sticking out of them. They don't really care. Let's see what happens. See what happens. I come in. I'm ready to talk nicely about Fresno, and uh, and that's what I do. All right, we got a Fresno State and UNLV coming up on ESPN Las Vegas at so seven o'clock. Running Rebel warm-up with John and Curtis. Lots to get to today. Uh, Tom's Urban is the spot where Adam's at. It's the home of our parties uh, this season for the night. You want to go check it out. Very cool spot. It's right there in front of New York, New York, right around the corner from the Fortress. So you can come out now. Uh, you can also watch the game there with Greg Salerno from Comp and 1230. The game as we head towards the playoffs. Uh, we're going to have a chance to register for free hockey tickets and if you haven't been to tom's urban go check it out great menu and they've also got something really cool with their signature red bull party starter it's a double dose of their urban margarita with the hibiscus bomb and a full can of red bull red edition tom's urban is the official home of espn las vegas hockey viewing parties Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Theodore blocks a centering pass, and it goes behind. Now between the legs, a finish for Kachuk. Wow! Kachuk straddling the right goal line. Took the puck from the trapezoid, and the lefty flips it in between his own legs. 5-0 Calgary. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. Cofield Company, Tom's Urban, your spot on the strip. Our great watch party is going on here with ESPN Las Vegas, right next to New York, New York, just a short little walk from T-Mobile Arena, where Jack Eichel will make his debut for the Golden Knights tonight against Colorado, right around the corner. Should be a big game 
Uh, just looking at some of the potential lineups with Jack Eichel on the top line, along with Max Petretti, should be fun. And we'll start talking about that, breaking it down a little bit later on. Steve Cofield up in Fresno. How are you doing, sir? Good. Let's get to uh, Justin Watkins here on this Wednesday. Justin, how are you doing, buddy? Doing great. Uh, got the uh, Eichel sweater out, ready to go down to T-Mobile. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully watch him make a triumphant return. Did you even know who Jack Eichel was like a year ago? Yes. Okay. But well, I saw some. <laughs> I saw some sniping. There, there's like this uh, split now. I well, the wrong side of the split doesn't really know there's a split, but there are VGK fans out there who are like these other VGK fans don't know anything about hockey. They probably don't even know who Eichel is. Like, how about we stick together? You know, let's uh, close that rift that was caused by Leonard and uh, Mark Andre Fleury. Let's all be one fan base. Stop being babies. Yeah, who cares? I don't care if somebody doesn't know who Eichel was. I mean, that's how I <laughs> convinced my wife to go to the game. Is I, I told her, I was like, hey, you want to go to the game on Wednesday? Let me tell you what's going on, right? Give the wife the backstory. She's like, yeah, let's go. That sounds cool. You know, she didn't know who Eichel was, but now she knows the story. You know, now she knows, you know, that she's going to be looking at the person that is the, you know, the trade that lost us Tuck, who she liked. Um, and, and I did, too. I had his jersey. And... Uh, I think, I think it's fine that Vegas fans don't. That's a big portion of Vegas fans aren't diehards. That's all cool. I don't care because those really diehard markets a lot of times have super boring, empty arenas, and I and I like our arena. What? How quickly do you want to see Jack Eichel like up to speed, being the Jack Eichel that everybody thinks he can be? I, I mean, obviously, the sooner the better. Here's the here's the thing: is like I know who Jack Eichel was because in you know, it, by the end of year one, I was listening to sort of NHL radio. I was trying to get my uh, my head around like who the other players in the league are, and I, I didn't know who Jack Eichel was then. But it became pretty clear that sure. he was a consensus top ten player um, as I learned on the national level. But I've never really watched him play. I've I've never watched a Jack Eichel game from start to finish. So you know, I've seen some highlights, obviously now, but. Um, I'm really interested to be able to see, you know, does he jump off the ice like, you know, Nathan McKinnon, uh, Kale McCarr will be jumping off the ice to everybody else uh, on the other side of the lineup. If if he does, that, that'll be cool. I'd love to see it. So, yeah, Golden Knights getting ready to play a big game against Colorado. Would have been a big game anyway. Uh, you're in the jersey. I wonder what, what percentage of people tonight are going to be rocking the, the nine. Oh, I think there's a lot because uh, I had a buddy who was looking for one, and I happened to be over in downtown Summerlin, so I stopped in at the Armory. They happened to have his size, and I just <laughs> asked the dude, and I said, hey, a lot of people coming in for, for this jersey today. And he's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> all week long. So uh, I think there's going to be quite a few. All right. Well, well I'm, I'm excited for the game. I know you are, and everybody uh, down here at Tom's Urban as well. Come down here, stop by on the way over. I uh, got a couple prizes for you as well as you head on in to the arena. You'll see Justin and, and others uh, on the way down. Um, I had a quick question. We got, we got a bunch of uh, legal issues to get in uh, with you. Um, I saw it the other night. I just wanted to uh, get your thoughts from a legal perspective uh, on the, the post-game celebrations that were going on down in L.A. Uh, just because I observed a lot of what was happening, uh, the, the officers there, I thought, did a really good job of just being ready. 
Like they were they were on the standby. There was a ton of them out there. They were ready to go. Uh, but at one point, they kind of they kind of went like four blocks away on each side, and they closed everybody down. And they basically just weren't going to let anybody leave the area. Uh, they were kind of confining everybody and just keeping them there. And then at one point, they said, "Okay, everybody that's within this area is just going to be." quote, arrested. I don't know what you could arrest people for. Um, and everybody's kind of figuring out, like, what are we going to do? Because a lot of people were there just to watch. Didn't know that this was a possibility. They didn't do anything technically illegal. Um, I guess, what what should people know about a situation like that? If they're just kind of around and people are going to get rounded up and be arrested, should you just say, hey, listen, let's just figure this out later um, and and move forward from that? I, don't, I didn't understand what people should be doing in that case. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a great understanding of of that situation either, and as to why the grounds of which they thought that they had to arrest people. Here's here's the truth of the matter: Do you know cops arrest people to try to control a situation, even though they know the arrest isn't appropriate or warranted or going to stand? Right. Of course they do, right? And I have to imagine that's that situation, right? Like they know there's actually not going to be. <laughs> any charges filed right, there's not actually right. going to be anything it's just this attempt to control something that they feel like is getting out of control and they you know use the arrest now is there recourse for that there is yeah that's a violation of civil rights that's a you could bring in what's called a 1983 claim and uh, and make a claim against the government for violating your civil rights you can also bring a, a specific claim against uh the the police department uh, under a tort claim of false imprisonment, although your 1983 claim is going to be of better value. It's what you want to go with. So there is recourse. Um, the, the tricky part gets in those situations. If you actually did have your day in front of a jury to say, um, you know, why, why were you down there? What were you trying to accomplish? And were you warned? Were you told? And, and, and if there is kind of like a, we told you, and we asked you to move, you're, it's unlikely to get a jury to a side with you. Yeah, and that's, I think, the, the part, because apparently, like, an hour before they did this, they announced everybody to get out, but I think a lot of the people had just gotten there <laughs> and were like, wait, well, huh, we didn't what, we didn't know anything about this. It was, it was a weird situation, but I think, uh, to your point, my thought was they were just going to start arresting people and then just letting them go once they got to the, the, the once they got to the jail. They weren't going to charge them with anything. I think they were just saying, all right, let's just nip this in the bud right now but i know people were terrified and that's kind of why i was uh getting to the question of like i think on some level you're right of like just don't be there uh but if people that were there people were coming out of restaurants and like wondering why they were trapped on a block like right. what am i supposed to do now so yeah i was like people were like trying to ask everybody around and i said yeah i don't know i'll try to ask justin about this so um it's it's a it's a fact it's a thing not many i don't think people are going to see this every day uh but it was definitely something to uh to take note of i think for the future with uh, sports being in las vegas now Justin yeah, Watkins I agree. with us. Yep. Justin Watkins with us, 5709000, 5709000, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. All right, let's get to the big news of the day, Justin, and that is a story that comes out about the Cowboys with some sort of payoff for some voyeurism deal. Um, explain this to us, what the allegations were. Uh, we're talking over $2 million. I mean, to uh, your knowledge and, and the way this reads, was this something that was done a few years ago and has been basically been kept secret from coming out? Yeah, it's, it's it's been swept under the rug. Uh, the allegation is is that uh, you know a senior management personnel at uh, in the Dallas Cowboys was using his position to you know find his way into the cheerleaders' rock, locker rooms at times, inopportune times or opportune for him 
times where the cheerleaders would be naked or changing. Um, there, there, I saw an allegation that he had it like his cell phone with him, although it doesn't expressly say, um, and maybe it did in the lawsuit, but it doesn't expressly say that, um, there was any recordings or pics taken. Um, then there's a different set of allegations that talk about how he was notorious for upskirt pics of other uh, women within the organization. And out of that, um, there was ultimately a settlement of a couple million bucks. But hey, uh, Justin, let me break in for a second here. Yeah. You ready for this? Yeah. So this guy, Dalrymple, as it reads, was also accused of taking upskirt photos of Charlotte Jones Anderson, the team senior VP and daughter of Jerry Jones. Yep. What? Yep. And so, um, I mean, but, but his Jerry Jones daughter was not one of the claimants. Let's just be clear about that. I mean, that may have been included in the allegations to talk about how the Cowboys were aware of his predatory nature, but she was not a claimant. The claimants were the cheerleaders. There were six of them. Uh, they each got about $400,000 in the settlement. Uh, I'm sure the settlement included the NDA. Um, how that came to light today, I'm not exactly sure uh, because Texas does still enforce NDAs. Uh, Nevada does not, uh, just by way of comparison. Uh, so uh, at least not an NDA that relates to sexual assault or sexual violations. So um, this one sort of walks that line. There was no physical contact. Um, I don't know that I would say a crime occurred. Uh, and so on Nevada, it would walk the line as to whether or not an NDA would be enforceable. Um, but in, in Texas, it absolutely is enforceable. So how this leaked out and the exact nature of it is probably something some people are looking into. Uh, but to, you know, the sort of point of we got an ownership um, problem across the NFL, I think you're beginning to see why there isn't, um, you know, Dan Snyder's head on a stake and nobody wants to have that same level of scrutiny turned inward on their organization yeah. because they probably all have this at some level. And, you know, and this is exactly what we've been talking about over the years that the, uh, the other owners, not all of them, but many of the other owners are like, eh, well, I don't want to be under the microscope. You know, if I go after Snyder, does it get turned back on me? Um, I like that you covered the, uh, the NDA part. That's super important. Is this another piece of evidence though? Um, going back to that con congressional conversation in Washington about the football team Redskins commanders issues where they hauled in some people to talk about the latest accusations. Isn't this more proof that like something bigger has to be done? This is a league with a gigantic culture issue. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, now, whether or not Congress is the right arm to do that. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you, I don't know that that's, that's right. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> do we have a culture problem in the nightclub industry? Probably. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Is yes. Congress yes. supposed to step in there and figure that out? Uh, just because it's big, just because it's a big industry doesn't mean to me that necessarily Congress should step in and be the investigating agency. Now, um, at w when there was, uh, antitrust exemptions, absolutely for sure. Congress had the right, but 
that the NFL doesn't have an antitrust exemption anymore. So I, I don't know where I sit on that. Why? Where's Congress's foothold in this? I mean, with the Washington commanders now and that investigation, you know, they sort of opened themselves up and welcomed Congress to be a part of the investigation and to, you know, provide direction and, and, and assistance. So I think it was sort of voluntary there, but to just say, Hey, we see that some of your owners are not great people. Uh, we're going to investigate you Congress. Uh, I'm sure owners of most, you know, huge industry, you know, industry changing companies have this problem and they're not always getting, you know, I don't think it's the proper investigative arm. Justin stick with us. Five, seven, oh, nine thousand is the number for battleborn injury lawyers. A cool deal coming up with uh, UNLV running Rebel basketball tonight. There's a game right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Tip is at 730 on Saturday. It's a massive day. Really want to see a lot of people show up. It's a five o'clock game at the Thomas and Mac against Colorado State presented by Finley Toyota as they're going to feature Robert Smith Jersey retirement day at halftime. There's a pregame tailgate with free Taco Bell for the students. First 400 kids, 12 and under, will receive a Robert Smith uh, number 10 T-shirt. And uh, best of all, they're going to be giving away season tickets. And they're also going to be giving away free tuition uh, around and during the game. How awesome is that? It's a 5 o'clock start. Get out there. Thomas and Mac, Colorado State, one of the best teams uh, in the Mountain West Conference in the West, is going to be taking on your running Rebels. Yeah, so imagine you jump in your car ready to go to work or school or the grocery store and your car will not start. You look down at your gauges and you find that your car is on empty, but you are sure you left it with a full tank. Well, it is time to take a look underneath your car. You might find an unwanted hole in your gas tank. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Oh boy, now we got to worry about this and especially uh, that piece from Fox 5 drilling holes in our gas tanks. Uh, it looks like trucks are especially susceptible to this. Justin, um, what will you do to prevent your gas tank from being drilled? Buying electric. <laughs> there, you there you go. Holy crap. I mean, isn't that crazy? What's the world's coming to? Yep. Uh, I would say kids these days, but it might be some, you know, 63 year old meth head who's uh, drilling out the, uh, the gas tank. Um, let's get to a, a bizarre story locally with a, a restaurant in the Centennial area. I know you saw this. Um, there are patrons accusing this restaurant of drugging them with THC. Uh, they're talking about eating food at this place and then feeling all jacked up to the point where they kind of felt woozy and high. Yeah, this is interesting. And thankfully, it's I, I love Thai food and I've got my favorite spots. And thankfully, this is not on my radar. But I mean, probably because I just don't live in the area. So I'm, I'm glad this didn't happen to me uh, because, uh, by the way, is it bad that my first thought was, well, this place could be in trouble. Maybe their food will be discounted the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to stop by and help them out. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's good for you. Not good for me. I, I, Cheap ass. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. I can't. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I would I wouldn't have the SO eat the food. I would just test it. Yeah. You, you have a family. You can't do that. So the question becomes like the, the interesting legal question for me as a lawyer um, and not uh, a non-lawyer is how the public would look at this if I were to bring a claim, right? Because 
to me, um, I think it's claim worthy for somebody who, if it, if they knew about it or if they were negligent in somehow creating THC into their food, maybe it's a, one of their food service people who's doing it intentionally or accidentally or not. But let's just say I could prove that they knew or should have known that their food contained THC, which is a, it's a heck of a leap. But <laughs> let's just say I could prove that. I think that there would be a part of the population who would say, you don't have any really damages, right? You got high for a few hours. That's, you know, people pay for that. You got a freebie. Um, you know, I, why would I give your client any money for being high for a couple hours? And then I think there's a segment of the population who would hear this case and be mortified and say, you know, I've never been high before. I don't use drugs. And if somebody slipped me something and that was my exposure to this, I would be furious and would feel like, um, you know, I had been violated uh, uh, of, of, you know, kind of my cleanliness against drugs or alcohol or what have you. And so it would be interesting to me, you know, first I'll, I'll just pull you guys, you know, or you, Steve, how would you, how would you feel if you're on a jury and you're hearing somebody say like, Hey man, they got me high and I didn't want to get high and, and I don't get high and I should be compensated for that. Yeah. I mean, all joking aside, I'd, yeah, of course, I'd be on the side. I'd be on the side of the accuser. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't have this stuff going on. Um, I definitely want to get into the story more as it develops, but it's right at the front end. Justin Watkins with us, our legal insider. 5709000 is the number of Battleborn injury alerts. Let's close on this one. Um, what is the latest now with the baseball drug? And, you know, this sounds like a throwback, like we're repeating something from 20 years ago, but – this weird deal with the angels where, you know, we had a, a player die. Uh, now we're finding out other players were part of kind of a drug culture going on around the angels. How bad is this going to get for the angels? And in the end, who pays up? Yeah, this is interesting. Um, I would, yeah, I would really like to be in the courtroom on this because it, what's being, what's, what the trial is about. It's a criminal felony trial uh, about who gave Skaggs, the opioids that ultimately killed him. And the trial isn't a murder trial. The trial is a distribution trial and uh, possession and distribution. Um, but it's felony. It's jail time for sure. It's serious. And what the prosecution has attempted to do is to establish that Skaggs was a knowing user of drugs and specifically a knowing user of drugs provided by the angels uh, trainer in order to get the trainer to be causally connected to the opioids that Skaggs used when he died. Because the death is what escalates the felony distribution charge into stiffer penalties. So they, 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 I think they already got him that he's that he was an opioid dealer. That's not the problem. It's the opioid deal that dealt with the death of this person. And on the flip side, what the defense has done is show that Skaggs was a drug user who got drugs from all kinds of different sources hundreds of times over his playing career. And whether it was this opioid or any other opioid or other drug or cocaine or whatever he took, it could have been any combination of those things that ultimately killed him. Um, 
And there's no way without having any sort of direct line linkage of possession between the parties that you can prove that the opioids he took that day were the ones that were provided by the defendant at any given point. Okay. Uh, you know, by the uh, athletic or angels trainer. Uh, and, and out of that, you know, we're getting some interesting testimony. You've got Matt Harvey up there talking about how he, yeah, he knew that Skaggs used drugs, that he had given him some drugs at some point, Percocets, and that Harvey had used cocaine during his playing career. Good on Harvey for being honest, right? Like, good on, on Harvey for telling the truth, obviously. I mean, I, I, who knows? He could have lied. Maybe he made it sound better than it was. But it, it seemingly, uh, it certainly seemed to me that he was a guy telling the truth. Yeah. And, and you get a feel for this stuff when you do when you hear as much lying as I do. Um, and so, you know, even though this, this trial has nothing to do with baseball or drug use in baseball, this is a, a felony criminal trial. How, how does baseball not address this testimony that's coming out? This evidence is <laughs> yeah. coming out. They're going yeah. to have to, of course. And I, I, and I don't know the best way to do it other than I think what you do is you applaud Harvey and anybody else who testified in it, you, you you have them join a commission of some sort about studying the prevalence and the use and, and the reasons for the use. It may be that Harvey was just a recreational cocaine user. He didn't use it because he was a baseball player. He didn't use it to try to, you know, play back-to-backs or anything like that. You know, he just liked cocaine. And it's not really a baseball problem. It's a recreational drug use problem in the United States. I would want to know the answer to that question, right? And so before you, you sort of fall on a grenade that's not really yours, I, I, I think there I would want to, uh, uh, a little bit more evidence to make decisions on if I'm Major League Baseball, but I don't think it's something you can ignore. Justin, we appreciate it. Great spot. We will see you soon. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. There he is, Justin Watkins, ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider. Remember, tonight UNLV is playing at Fresno. You can go hang out with Mr. UNLV, Tyler Bischoff, PT's Pub. It's a UNLV watch party brought to you by Miller Lite. That means $10 Miller Lite pitchers at PT's Pub on Tropicana right near Maryland. Lots of UNLV prizes you can win. You can also enter for a chance to win a staycation at the Strat or win beer for a year from Miller Lite. The game is at 730 tonight. Tyler Bischoff will be there throughout the first half and early into the second half. It's PT's Pub, Miller Lite, UNLV, Watch Party, Tropicana, right near Maryland. Get out to PT's Pub and hang out with TB tonight. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. You don't like to compare him to anybody because he's one of one. The guy is so situationally aware. He knows exactly what to do. He's so strong. He's so powerful. Phenomenal awareness. It's phenomenal strength. It is the athlete that he's never seen before. He's something special, man. He's something special to watch. He's something special to coach. And he's just special to be around every day. Oh, you know it's my favorite. Rams are my favorite team, but the song is so GDM good that any big spot the Rams are in, I'm rooting for LA. So let's go to a true Rams fan and 
He's a former Rams cheerleader, superstar of the media. Lisa Guerrero's up with Cofield and Company. Lisa, how you doing? Hey, good, Steve. I'm actually doing the choreography for the Ram it music video right now in my kitchen <laughs> as we speak. I love it. It's it is it's such a classic. It's such a classic. Last week we had Jim McMahon on, and we were kind of challenging Jim McMahon on Ram it versus the Super Bowl Shuffle. Oh my gosh! Well, Ram it is better, obviously. Yes. Yes. <laughs> much more rhythm. Yeah, much more rhythm. Uh, better lyrics. All of it. Uh, all right. So, give us your feeling on uh, the Rams getting this done. They put all the uh, you know the chips in. They uh, defied the salary cap, and they got it done. Yeah, it, it actually goes back further than that, right? Because there were groups here that once the Rams left Anaheim and went to St. Louis, immediately uh, Rams fans, business owners, politicians started uh, trying to figure out a way to bring the Rams back. So for decades, this has been really decades in the making that, that those of us that were Rams fans, I was a Rams cheerleader when they were in Anaheim, um, a lot of folks in the media were were. Uh, cheering for them to come back and trying to find out a way to get a stadium built without using tax dollars, which they did. And um, to the credit of the folks that made this happen, SoFi Stadium is the only stadium in the NFL that uses zero tax dollars. So when that became um, uh, a reality, it was very clear that the Rams and the Chargers would have a home here. Um, Obviously, we're going to be um, also hosting the Olympics in the future and it's just it's the best venue in the world right now to watch a sporting event so so yeah this isn't just about you know the rams going all in in the off season this is about rams fans the business community media politicians going all in on the rams since they were in st louis to try to get them back in order to have a stadium in order to host a super bowl and in order to win a super bowl at home yeah, and winning the title is so cool, but it's also on the heels of the Dodgers and the Lakers doing it in recent years. Yeah. And the Rams, unlike the other teams, actually got to have a parade today. Yeah, isn't that amazing? People, I know, I know that there's, you know, this, this uh, perception of Los Angeles fans being laid back and, you know, if they're watching a Dodgers game, they leave in the seventh inning. But there was a real energy around this team the last couple of years and specifically this year that I haven't seen in Los Angeles since uh, really the Kobe Shaq days of, of Laker um, fandom back then, um, early Staples Center. So I'm, I'm kind of comparing it to that kind of energy here. And you've got this group of really interesting, young, um, kind of, you know, perfect for Hollywood, you right? Like they could be perfectly cast. Um, you know, this group of Rams and, of course, Sean McVay and um, Matthew Stafford and, and, you know, Cooper Cup, they all look like they, they belong on a poster or something. So they're kind of perfectly cast for Hollywood. The, you know, the, what I love is I think it was, um, I'm pretty sure it was Cooper Cup wore a Kobe Bryant jersey today in the parade. He did. He did. Yep. Yeah. So, so there's just this real love fest between all three of the teams the Dodgers have been tweeting like crazy about um about the Rams and so with the Lakers I'm actually going to a Lakers game tonight um and I heard a bunch of the Rams players are going to be there so there there's Uh. a real energy here that we haven't seen in a long time in Los Angeles and and it's 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 really exciting to be a part of it Lisa I'm going to put you on the spot you can answer Ari during the break I want to carry you through the break because we're really up against it. I have, I have another two minutes here, but I have to get to 
the cheerleader stuff that's going down. So I hope you have some time. Um, let's just keep talking football for this for this portion of the conversation. Um, who is your favorite Ram? Like, who who's the person you you've kind of grown to love the most? Aaron Donaldson. But you know, I who doesn't love him? I mean, and and really, the game came down to him, which was perfect. Yep. Um, you know. Uh, again, I was I grew up in Southern California here, and I remember the fierce foursome. Um, I remember, you know, loving Jack Youngblood and Nolan Cromwell, and my dad and I arguing over, you know, should Pat um, lose his job to Vinny? And I right. mean, there, there, I have been a Rams fan for so long that it's it's hard to pick a favorite all-time player for me. So I'm just going to go with um, Eric Dickerson. And uh, this year, Donaldson's my favorite player. There you go. Aaron Donald and, and Eric Dickerson. And for people who don't know Pat, Pat Hayden, that's way back in the day. And uh, and you also mentioned uh, Vince Ferragamo, who, of course, was a big hero at quarterback uh, back in the Super Bowl. And he was cute, girls. What? He oh, yeah. so okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, uh, Lisa Guerrero is here with us. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. No, believe me, I'm not. I'm not hating at all. I, I have I actually wanted to ask you about Aaron Rodgers and what's going on with him and, and making a decision. Speaking of making a decision, um, we're all big Sean McVay fans. I, you know, we call him the boy genius. He's getting a little bit older now. What do you think of him, you know, thinking about maybe taking a break in his coaching career to make sure he doesn't get burned out, a la John Madden, our own John Madden with the Raiders, um, and he talked about starting a family. I mean, he's only 36 years old. Yeah, and I think there's been an, an entire conversation recently about athletes and mental health. And, um, and a lot of very brave athletes have come forward in the last year to discuss their issues with the stress of being an elite athlete or of being under this white-hot spotlight. And I think it's really smart of a young coach or a, a player uh, to consider the longevity and where they are not just in sports but in their life and in their well-being over time. And I think, it's, I think it's awesome that we're even having this conversation because he's shedding light on something really crucial, which is the amount of pressure that uh, coaches and players face when they are professional athletes or Olympians or whatever it is. There, there is so much stress and there's a burden and there's an unspoken um, depression with a lot of players that – that they're now able to talk about. And, and I, I say kudos to Sean McVay for considering it. And if he wants to take a couple years off, let him. Who cares? Like, look at Chucky. He took a couple years off. He came back. He did broadcasting. He came back. It's possible. You know, so he's a young man, and he's got a huge career ahead of him. He's got a hot wife. So maybe he wants to make babies for a while. Lisa, if you don't mind, uh, can you go on hold for like two minutes, and we'll come back with you? Yes. You have the time. I appreciate it. I know you're busy today, but we have really important stuff to hit with the Cowboys cheerleader stuff and the commanders and Snyder and all that. So we'll we'll get Lisa back a little after four o'clock. Reminder, we're hanging out down at Tom's Urban. Adam Hill is there. We're actually there all day. It's one of our uh, it's our official watch party spot now with ESPN Las Vegas. Greg Salerno is going to be there from six to eight. Adam will be there up until six o'clock the entire time. You can go down to Tom's Urban right in front of New York, New York and sign up to win future VGK tickets, so that's a cool opportunity, and they definitely want you to come down and and try their signature drink. It's awesome. It's the Red Bull starter. You got the margarita. You got the hibiscus in there. Awesome stuff. So get on down, party before the game. If you're not going into the game at the Fortress, you can also hang out and watch the game at Tom. 
Four o'clock hours here. Let's get right back into it. As, uh, I'm hanging out in lovely Fresno before a UNLV game. We're going to get back to Adam, who's at Tom's Urban right there on the Strip, New York, New York, in about 10 minutes. Lisa Guerrero is with us. All right, Lisa. Well, uh, let's get to the important stuff. Actually, I will, I'll, we'll get to the lighter stuff first. Is there a, a Sunset Beach reunion coming up? <laughs> That's funny. Yes, there is tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. It's 25 years since that show debuted, so um, we're going to be on Alan Locker's The Locker Room to to chat about that. And it's really funny, you know, Sunset Beach is, was so long ago, but there were some hardcore soap opera fans that remember my character and all the shenanigans she had. It's, it's just fun to kind of reminisce about that stuff. And, um, yes, yeah, that's tomorrow, believe it or not. My God, soap operas, they make you work three seasons, 755 episodes. I know, right? I mean, and every every episode, there's like 20 to 30 uh, lines to memorize, uh, pages, sorry, pages to memorize yeah. every single episode. So you come home from shooting at 6 or 7 o'clock, and you dive right into memorizing, you know, maybe seven or eight scenes for the next morning. It's just, it's really grueling. Let me tell you, it's hard work. My God, Susan Lucci, what a warrior. Um, so let's talk about yeah, it. This is a very serious story. And you were a cheerleader in the NFL. You were with the Rams. I have no idea if you were a victim of something like this, you ever suspected something like this happening. But between Dan Snyder's team, I mean, that the work environment there and the treatment of the cheerleaders is ridiculous. Now, apparently, we've had some kind of secret deal that was cut back in 2016 with the Cowboys and a, a high-level executive was snooping on the cheerleaders there. I mean, this is out of control. Yeah, it, you know, I have heard about instances like this through the years. And um, I, I mentioned that this on Twitter earlier, but if you've got a group of really young, attractive um, athletes, you know, like the players and the cheerleaders, who I also consider athletes, you know, there, there's, you know, this group of people surrounding them are often older, um, white, sexist, or racist people that have control over their lives and their careers. And it's kind of not surprising to me um, to – when I read it, I was disgusted, obviously, by the details that he had snuck into the cheerleader's locker room using a security pass that he had and, according to one of the cheerleaders, was allegedly taping them while they were changing on his iPhone. So I was disgusted. Um, uh, it's outrageous, obviously, but something – you know, about that and the Dan Snyder episode and some of these other um, allegations that some other cheerleaders on other teams have been talking about in the last couple of years make me really reconsider the lens through which I look back on my experience. I was young. I was 19 when I tried out, and we had a, a, a great team and uh, surrounded by a lot of dancers, and those women, those women are still my friends today. But, you know, when you... When you have these women that aren't protected, sometimes they don't have security around them. They're thrown into promotional activities out in bars or in, uh, you know, different community gatherings. Um, I just don't feel like these women are protected. I don't feel like they're taken seriously as ambassadors for these teams. They are reduced to, you know, sexual objects. And in reality, it, it takes you know, years of dance training and, you know, weeks and weeks of preparation to get to the first game where you're learning dozens of routines. And, um, you know, you're out there in the community representing your team and helping to sell season tickets. 
and appearing, you know, on TV shows and, and really representing your team from the community that you are from. These players aren't from the, those communities. They are drafted and they'll someday go back home. Most of them won't stay in that community, but the cheerleaders do. So it's, it shocks me. It shouldn't shock me anymore, but it still does when I hear about stories like this, when they, they take advantage of people that are crucial, really, to, to being you know, part of your, your ambassadorship in your community. Lisa Guerrero is on Cofield and Company. You know, in the case of the, the voyeur stuff, you don't even know what's going on. I, I also think we have to, and you did a little bit, but address the sexual harassment stuff that happens and, and address guys who will say this when they see these situations. Well, why don't the women just, why don't they report it at the time? Why don't they just leave the job? And it's just not that easy to do either. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very typical to hear those types of reactions when you see, and I've already seen it on Twitter today with the, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders situation. Um, these, these women are young. They're vulnerable. They are a part, this team becomes like a sorority, a sisterhood, you know, a family. Most of them tried out against hundreds, if not thousands of women for that position. Um, you know, and many of them do speak out. Many of them do complain. Many of them do go to HR or tell their directors. Uh, they do try to um, stand up for themselves and others when they see these things happening. So it's not just why don't they quit? It's why don't they not get harassed to begin with? Got to close on this one. I know you're going to the Lakers game tonight. I don't know how fired up you are if you even know about it, but have you seen that uh, HBO has a uh, a new show coming out called yes. Winning Time, the, the, Ra- the Rise of the Lakers Dynasty? I cannot wait to watch this. I cannot wait. You guys, This is is this one uh, based on Jeff Perlman's book? I think you it know, might I'm not, be. I'm not sure. Let me, uh, I can look it's, it up. But, first uh, of all, yeah. I mean, how fun is this going to be? And I know I'm going to see Jeannie Buss tonight, who's now, of course, the president of the Lakers, yeah. and she's portrayed by an actress in the film. Chick Hearn, the one and only Chick Hearn. Uh, Spencer Garrett's playing Chick Hearn. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait for it. It was such a great time in L.A., and, and I'm really I'm excited for them. And by the way, earlier I mispronounced. I felt so bad. I'm like, I'm giving, I'm giving Aaron Donald an extra syllable. Um, so I apologize on behalf of um, <laughs> any Aaron Donald fans because I totally screwed that up. Too much caffeine. It happens. Today. It happens. It is. By the way, it is Jeff Perlman's book. It is. Okay. So yeah. Jeff Perlman, by the way, he's amazing. Jeff Perlman's book is so good. You guys should read it. Um, but it, you know, it really outlines a lot of the, the, the craziness going on behind the scenes during those seasons. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. To, and it, what is it? It starts on March 12th or something. When does it debut? Yep, coming up in a couple of weeks here. A couple of weeks. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Go Lakers. Lisa, thank you so much. We know you're super busy. Love having you on. Really good stuff on the Rams and the L.A. scene. Thanks, guys. Take care. There she is. Former Rams cheerleader, been uh, with Inside Edition forever. Bunch of TV shows. Lisa Guerrero, one of our favorites here on Cofield and Company. And, yeah, the uh, the documentary on the uh, Lakers on HBO is going to be freaking tremendous. It's called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty.